Welcome to House of David Ministries. I'm Pastor Eric Michael Teitelman. Join me as we learn about the rich heritage of our Christian faith. In each episode, we explore a unique topic that will deepen your knowledge of Christ and who we are as His people. In this episode, we will learn about the time of the end and the prophetic signs the Lord has given us to discern that season. Yeshua's disciples came to him one day and asked, in Matthew 24, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Yeshua then began to tell his disciples about all the difficult things that would happen, especially to the nation of Israel. He mentioned deception, wars, famine, pestilence, earthquakes, and more. And then he said, All these are the beginning of sorrows, but the end would not come immediately. Yeshua was informing his disciples, and therefore also the Jewish people today, that things in the world would become increasingly more difficult and intensifying and culminating in a chaotic global period called the Tribulation. Paul called these difficulties birth pangs, which he compared to the contractions of a woman in labor. In Hebrew, the word is tzirim. It says in Micah chapter 4, For pangs have seized you like a woman in labor. Be in pain and labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion. So what exactly are these birth pangs, and why does Paul liken them to labor contractions? Let's find out. The Hebrew word for contraction is taken from the same root, and it is tzimtzum, and it has two meanings. One is contraction or condensation, and the other is concealment. An example of a contraction would be if someone boarded up a window and left a tiny hole through which the light could pass. Even though the light is restricted in its quantity, the overall quality of light is the same as its source. Alternatively, concealment would be as if someone hung a curtain over a window to block or filter out the sunlight. The light entering the room through the curtain would be of an entirely different quality. It would be filtered and a mere shadow of the original light. We see a picture of this type of concealment in the veil that hung in the temple that separated the inner sanctuary from the Holy of Holies and the light of God. In Isaiah 45, we read, Truly you are God who hide yourself, O God of Israel, the Savior. Paul used a similar analogy in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, emphasis added when he said, Even to this day, when the law of Moses is read, a veil that conceals the light of God lies on their hearts, Israel's heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, to Yeshua, the light of the world, the veil that conceals the light of God is taken away. This progressive contraction and concealment of the infinite light of God are considered by the rabbis to be a manifestation of God's strength, called Gevurah in Hebrew. They also liken it to his severity and his stern judgments. We read in Psalm chapter 18, He made darkness his secret place. His canopy around him was dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. In other words, a contraction is a form of God's judgment. These judgments reveal to the creation one of God's many attributes, mainly his wisdom, which is called chokhmah in Hebrew. We read in Isaiah chapter 26, For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. 
So it is precisely this demonstration of God's strength and his wisdom in our lives and in the world that will give us the discipline and spiritual maturity to prepare for the chaos and the ultimate deliverance that will come at the end of the age. Again, Yeshua said in Matthew chapter 10, He who endures to the end will be saved. The rabbis further teach that the divine left hand of God represents his judgment and is the supernal attribute of fear and severity, while his right hand of love and kindness embraces us, which is his supernal attribute of mercy. God's judgments and severity are therefore tempered by his mercy, which is chesed in Hebrew. Love and kindness are God's right arm, while fear and severity are his left arm. As we read in Isaiah chapter 53, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And Paul said it like this in Romans chapter 11, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity, but toward you goodness if you continue in his goodness. Paul was speaking about the severity of God's law, which concealed the light of God and resulted in God's judgments on all who violated it. In Romans chapter 2, we read, As many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. For this reason, Jewish men are commanded to bind phylacteries, called tefillin, on their left arm, indicating they were bound to the left hand of God and his judgments according to the law of Moses. The left hand is closer to the heart and reminds us that our obedience to God's law is out of our submission to his will. As we read in Deuteronomy chapter 10, therefore it says, Circumcise the foreskin of your heart. Regarding the goodness of the Lord, Paul was speaking to the new covenant which is in Christ. He is the right arm of God's mercy revealed to all humanity. We read in Jude chapter 1, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. For this reason, Paul said, emphasis added in 2 Corinthians, the letter of the law which is God's severity kills, but the spirit of God's mercy gives life. The word contraction is also the term for the incremental process of creation by which an infinite God could express himself in a finite realm. The rabbi suggested in the process of creation, the infinite and endless divine emanation of God had to first contract itself into a space that would be void of his presence, creating what is called a primordial void within which the creation of finite and physical substance could exist. In other words, the infinite light of God was severely condensed and contracted to such a degree that it could emanate and illuminate finitely. The resultant light is referred to as an indwelling light, or pnimi in Hebrew, which is a light that inwardly vests itself within all created beings. This light is what was given to men, as we read in Genesis chapter 2, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. This idea of God's condensation and contraction is inconceivable to the human mind. How can an infinite God limit or confine himself to a finite realm? This is an unanswerable question as God is both transcendent and imminent, meaning he is both unsearchable and infinitely separated from his creation. But he is also intimately and finitely bound to it. For this reason, many people struggle with the divinity of Christ, which is precisely why the Jewish people stumbled at the Messiah's first appearing. 
This primordial void of creation is called Tehiru and stems from the Hebrew root Tohu, which means to be confused or astounded. If we use the common English translation in Genesis, we read that earth was without form and void. But there's a more accurate and expounded translation that would be as follows. The earth was in a state of confusion. Now, since this condition never existed outside the perfection and order of God who is pure light, the Spirit of God looked upon this newly formed creation with an aura of astonishment and amazement. This would be similar to the look a woman has when she gazes into the eyes of her newborn child. Now, there is a fable about light and darkness which declares that darkness does not exist. So why do they make this assumption? Well, simply because scientists cannot measure darkness. They measure light. So therefore, darkness is merely the absence of light. In truth, scientists are discovering dark matter, which can be physically quantified. But still, the analogy yields a truth that God exists everywhere and is all-encompassing. And anything that exists apart from Him lives in a reduced state of revelation, or conversely, in an induced state of concealment. In other words, God is not only transcended from his creation, he is also hidden from it. This truth about God's transcendence yields another great question. Why would God hide himself in the first place? The rabbis teach that God hid from creation so as not to destroy it by the power of his presence. But I believe there is a more profound and spiritually significant answer which you will learn about in our teaching called, Why Did God Choose Abram? When people ask why there is darkness in the world, a simple answer given is that God's light is absent from it. And when they ask why evil is in the world, they are told there is an absence of God's divine imminence, meaning that God has contracted himself to the degree that he gives men the freedom to choose good or evil. And sadly, men have rebelliously chosen to commit evil. So let's explore this concept a bit further. But let's be careful not to oversimplify this analogy because it is also written in John chapter 1, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So how can darkness comprehend anything if it does not exist? Well, it does exist in the personification of what the Bible calls the evil one, who is Satan, and the one who commits evil are those who follow him. We read in John chapter 3, this is the condemnation that the light, who is Yeshua, has come into the world, and men loved darkness, Satan, rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. So we can surmise that both light and darkness have physical manifestations in the world, one being the imminence of Christ, who is Yeshua, and the other being the manifestation of the Antichrist, who is Satan. We're now going to talk about what will happen at the end of the age with the revealing of the evil one. But to do so, we must first look at the beginning of creation. The rabbis teach us that creation and prophecy, which is the word of God, are bound up in each other. One being the beginning of the Bible, the written word, and the other its end, the written word made flesh, who is Christ, the Lord. Now, I've added messianic emphasis to this understanding. So in other words, the mystery of the end of the age is concealed in the creation. In Genesis, we see the revelation of God's light on the first day when he said, let there be light. But then on the fourth day, we see God's concealment of this light when he created the sun and the moon to provide a lesser quality of light to shine upon the earth in place of his divine eminence. 
But at the end of the age, when God creates the new heaven and the new earth, we read in Revelation 21, the city, the new Jerusalem, had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We will no longer live in the concealment of God's light, but will be fully immersed in it. If the ends are concealed in the beginnings, and the origins are marked by severe contractions that manifested God's strength, His judgments, through which He brought creation into existence, then we can conclude that for God to birth a new creation, He will once again manifest His strength through severe contractions, judgments that will come at the end of the age. In other words, the heavens and the earth will experience a period of birth pangs, which are severe judgments, that will violently shake the heavens and the earth. And God will gradually and then more intensely contract his light out of the world until only the manifestation of darkness remains. These last vestiges of God's light will emanate through his church until even we are removed. Here is what scripture confirms for us about this time of darkness. Yeshua said in John chapter 9, The night is coming when no one can work. And in Isaiah chapter 60, it says, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. And Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion, which is deep darkness, that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And in Jude chapter 1, it says, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. And lastly, here in Joel chapter 2, it says, The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. So praise the Lord that he has promised to cut these days short. And when we see things appearing to be the darkest in the world, and when God's light is most contracted and concealed from the earth, the Lord will appear with the brightness of his coming. We read in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 with emphasis added, And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way, meaning contracted and concealed. And then the lawless one, the evil one, will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. We, the church and the bride of Christ, will also appear with Yeshua at the brightness of his coming. As we read in Daniel chapter 12, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. The Bible is filled with prophecies about what will happen at the end of the age. And the books of Revelation and Matthew make it clear that the power of the Antichrist will prevail over the unsaved remnant of Israel during this time, and many will grow cold and fall away from the Lord because of the evil they see flourishing all around them. The Lord decreed in Daniel chapter 9, He says, Seventy weeks have been determined for my people, for Israel, and for their holy city, Jerusalem, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, 
to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the Most Holy. This period is God's appointed season of judgment against all the nations that have rejected Him, and that includes Israel. Yeshua told His disciples in Matthew 23, He says, You shall see Me no more till you say, Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Yes, God will hide and conceal Himself from Israel until she is brought low and humbled. As the Lord declared in Zephaniah chapter 3, I will leave in your midst a meek and humble people, and they shall trust in the name of the Lord. At the end of Israel's tribulation, at what appears to be their imminent destruction when all the powers of Satan have been unleashed against them, the Lord will birth a miracle. His anointed one, the Messiah, Yeshua, the King of all kings, will midwife the birth of his great nation, Israel. At the last trumpet that we read about in the book of Revelation, the Jewish people shall be saved and Israel as a nation shall be genuinely born. As it says in Isaiah chapter 66, Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. The destiny of the Jewish people is still for them to become a holy people and a light to all the nations. And this cannot happen unless the Lord first refines his people, especially the refinement of persecution leading to death and resurrection. As we read in Ezekiel chapter 37, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. The rabbis teach that the radiation of light, which is God's glory at the time of the resurrection, will be in a state of expansion, which is the opposite of contraction, and its measure will be both limitless and endless. Rabbi Moshe Chaim Luzado specifically wrote, the Creator designed our physical bodies for the concealment of His light, but He created our souls for His eternal revelation. And Yeshua told His disciples in John chapter 17, The glory which you, the Father, gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. Wow! God's glory will one day be fully revealed through His people, Israel, as an infinite manifestation of His light. Yes, Israel will become a light unto all the nations, and those grafted into her from the nations will join Israel as the great assembly of God's people, the ecclesia and the church, sharing in God's glory and radiating His light into every tribe and tongue and people and nation for all eternity. Amen.
If you have enjoyed this teaching from House of David Ministries, make sure you subscribe to our channel and don't forget to visit our website where you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. We pray the Lord richly bless you and we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode.